0: grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in a a sense, we kind of got a kick in the butt this morning, didn't we? Why the text comes out and it tells us that, you know, if we want to have God's sustaining power in our lives, if we want things to continue to go well, we need to follow his commands. We need to do the things that he says to do. In fact, he touches some nerves today, doesn't he? For with the divorce rate in the United States being you know above 50%, it means you and I probably have a, a, a relative, maybe someone even very close to us, who has gone through a divorce. And yet the text for today wants to let us know that that creates adultery, right? In very clear and, and no uncertain terms. What is the, the one exception, right? That, that the spouse was cheating, on the other person. It's not just that I got tired. It's not just my my spouse took a job with a two-hour commute and I never see him. It is simply the fact that person was cheating on the other person. They were sexually unfaithful. That's the only excuse the Bible gives. It says everything else leads to adultery. It says we need to shape up. It says we need to get our house in order. It says we need to do things God's way or we're going to lose his sustaining power. We need to get things right. Now, at least for us within the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we're we're kind of used to, to this, aren't we? Because we've always taught law and gospel, right? It is the law that comes into our lives. It is the law that begins to have an effect. It is the law that drives us to repentance. And then we have taught, it is only after the law has begun to do its work, it's only after the person begins to repent that then we come in with the blessed offering of the gospel, right? When the person has been broken down, when the person has reached the end of their path, it's then that we begin to share with them the great love that God has. Because uh, guess what? You can't understand that you need Jesus if you've never done anything wrong. You know? And yet, The culture today, it teaches the exact opposite, doesn't it? The the culture today wants to have excuses. The culture today wants to say, oh, you know, that that teacher, that mom, that dad, oh, we understand why you're a mess. It's not your fault, you see. It's it's what you were taught. It's what you were brought up with. It was the circumstances that came upon you. (laughs) And, of course, for for us as a church body, we always want to say, no, you need to take responsibility, right? And I, I think most of us, that's how our parents raised us, wasn't it? You need to take responsibility. When that thing happened, it was your fault. Right, You can't blame your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. You can't blame the environment that you are in or the local school district. You have to be able to stand on your own two feet and say, I have sinned, right? I have fallen short. I am the one in need of prayer. I am the one who must repent. I have gone astray. I need to turn around, but yeah, you know, based on our own personalities, you know, we we might say, well, you know, one is, is maybe more effective for me personally, and, and I, I think a lot of people here today, you you would say, you know, uh, personally for me, I like the carrot more than the stick, right? Because the the text for today, the the first part of my sermon, it it was the stick, wasn't it? Have that stick and we have that threat and we want things to get better and we have to move in a certain direction. But you know, guess what? For a, a lot of people, we would rather do things because of the good that would result rather than the fear of the punishment that that might come upon us, right? And yeah, it it does kind of vary with personality, but I I feel like I, I like that carrot part. But I I want to hear about the cake and ice cream I'm gonna get if I go to to that party, rather than how I'm gonna feel guilty and be ridiculed if I don't go. We, we, We like that carrot. And dear friends, that blessed message is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? The gospel, it it could simply be, you know, God loved us so much that he took us from slavery under Satan and he made us his slaves. Now guess what? If that was just what the gospel was, we would say, said, well, I, I benefited, right? I was the slave of a cruel taskmaster. I had, you know, things were terrible for me, but then God came and he bought me as his slave, and then I moved into a better situation. And if that was all that the gospel was, we'd say, hey, I, I improved. Things are better. I am the slave of the most high God. We we could sing songs about that, we could even be happy about it, couldn't we? But y you, you folks, you, you all know that's not that's not the answer, is it? That's not quite right. Is the pastor confused today? I, I don't think he's got it quite right. See. Even if it was a step above that. Even if the Bible said, you know, God noticed us in our slavery to Satan, and he said, hey, I'd like to hire some of those people to be my employees. Well, well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Say, you know, I I used to be a slave, and my life used to be terrible, but then the, the factory owner said, I could be free from that, I could come and have a nice job in the factory, you know? And I, I, I could change in the employees' changing room, you know, the employees' locker room, I, I could hang out there, and, and I could be with the other employee, as long as I stayed out of his sight of the owners, you know? I could be a servant. I could work in the factory. It would be it'd be nicer, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. I was a slave, now I work in the factory. He takes care of me. He's a good guy. I have things. You know, dear friends, maybe you have a, a friend or a neighbor and, and being a, a little bit facetious, they, they've said to you, you know, if I can just kind of slide into heaven, you know, and, and maybe I could get a, a job as the, the janitor in the basement. You know, that's all I want. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone express it in those kind of terms, but, you know, it's that idea that, you know, I I understand I'm not really good enough, but I hope I can slide in there, and, you know, maybe God won't notice the janitor in the basement, and I could just kind of have that little job, and everything would kind of be okay. It'd be okay. It's all right. But, dear friends, I have to tell you today, that's not... Why it either is it, for our Lord God says that He loved us so much that He made us his children, right children of the heavenly father safely in his bosom gather. Maybe you you sang that in, in Bible class or Sunday school or vacation Bible school, but it's that very essence of the Christian faith, isn't it? That we are his children. Now, uh, many of us, we, we've been in, in, in church long enough, you can remember that that old red hymnal that we used to use. And, and maybe you recall the, the confession of sins in the old red hymnal. Maybe for, for some of you ladies, you may maybe scratched your head a little bit and said, well, why does it always say sons of God? Why does it, it always, you know, use?" Uh, sons. Here, here. I'm a, a little girl growing up in, in the the church, uh, and you know, I I don't know. I don't know about you know confessing always about the the sons of God. But dear friends, I'm just going to share with you today. It, it did come from ancient times, and, and the reason that they used the term son was because it was the son that got the inheritance, wasn't it? You know, I can even remember in my own family when my my grandmother and grandfather passed away, the farm went to the sons. (laughs) And and certainly they they took care of my mom as well, but, you know, it it was something uh, a a little bit different, right? Because the, the boys got the inheritance. And you know that, that's how it, it was, you know, fifty years ago. Certainly that's how it was a hundred years ago. And yes, when the, the Bible fellows were writing the, the scripture, they wanted to be able to convey you know that part of the idea because everybody knew what it was to get the inheritance. Right? If I'm a son. I get the inheritance, see? And so it wasn't that they, they meant to be prejudiced or they're trying to, you know, make things harder for uh, women in the, the day and age, but it was simply to convey that idea, right? That we are the ones who will receive the inheritance. We're the ones who are going to be with Christ, you see. Now in our present day and age, our culture had certainly shifted a bit and, you know, women get equal inheritance with the men and we can just as easily say, you know, we are God's children, can't we? Because it also conveys that, that very same idea for us in our present culture, doesn't it? If I am a child of God, you know, I get equal parts of the inheritance. And that is what we are, isn't it? We are called God's children. Not just that we were slaves of one entity and now we're slaves of God, the Father Almighty. And not just, yeah, that we were slaves of Satan and now at least we get to be workers in you know God's basement. I can kind of come in the back every day and I can kind of change in the employee locker room and then I can just kind of do my job out of God's sight and he never really comes by and looks at me. But no, we're called his children, aren't we? And that is what we are. That the Lord God loved us each so very much.
1: He was willing
0: to send his son into this world to face certain death in order that we could be adopted in order that we could be called his children, in order that Jesus, the son of the, the most high owner, could call us his brothers and sisters. You see, uh, dear friends, when we hear that message in its entirety, we should get kind of a little shiver running down the back of our neck, shouldn't we? You know, God, the Most High, He He sent His special forces into this world. He, He sent it led by His one and only Son that we might be freed. And not only that that we could have that freedom, but that we could come and live with him for eternity. Knowing that Jesus would die in the process, knowing that Jesus was the only trade-off that the opposition would accept, God sent him anyway. And Jesus came and offered his life, not just to buy a bunch of slaves, and not just to to get a bunch of employees into the factory, but he did it so that we could be his brothers and sisters, so we can be co-inheritors, so that we can live with God forever. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.